They're the best. Oh. I love those guys. This is my friend, Matt. Give it to me. Oh, 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 oh. Open. This is my friend, T-Bone. There we there go. go. Everybody, go. brace yourselves. We're going court stormy. Filipowski, watch yourself. You're listening to the Mac and Bo Show on Mac and Bo Radio. Good morning, Charlotte. Welcome aboard Mac and Bone Show time on a Tuesday morning. We got things to accomplish. We got things on the to-do list. We have to figure out what the heck happened in the final three and a half minutes of the Tar Heel game last night. Holy crap. Holy shnikes. Holy cow. RJ Davis pretty good, too, even if the heels were pretty bad in the final three and a half minutes of that game. We got to start talking um, some NFL draft kits. We're really picking 32nd. It really is a first-round pick, y'all. Just pretend we won the Super Bowl. We got to start talking about the draft. It is combine week. Dan Morgan, Dave Canales will speak today with pressers. Give us a little material to discuss later on today. But we got things to talk about here on today's show. Court storming may come up. I don't know if you've noticed. The whole nation is talking about it. We got updates on what's going on with Filipowski. What other Duke players had interesting experiences trying to leave the floor? Um, I never knew those Deacon students were such lunatics. Had no idea. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we it's almost like there's more to the story now, isn't there? There's there, there. Yeah, wasn't so simple for everybody, for other guys getting off the floor either. Um, we'll talk about it, and uh, the whole nation, national debate rages on. It seems like old men want st- in the media want court storming banned. And it seems like younger media members think it's what makes college athletics beautiful. Um, uh, so anyway, we'll talk about that today. And can they even do it? That's the thing, too. A lot of people say it's not even worth trying because you can't pull it off. So we'll talk about all that stuff. A less emotional conversation today, Bo. All right? Maybe less screaming uh, in this studio about the situation. Um, so anyway, we'll get into all that stuff today on the Mac and Bone Show. We got what the bleep stories as well today on the show. All right, what's up, Boney? What's going on? Good morning, Matt. The Charlotte Comfort Systems temperature right now is 52 degrees. Choose local. Choose Charlotte Comfort at charlottecomfortsystems.com. Mac, yesterday I mentioned that I was in a very nice new chair, comfortable chair, a, a tush delight, if you will. Well, they were they were some uh, scuttle Push delight. There was a um, <laughs> scuttlebutt in the hallway right before you came up here that they were. I don't know if it was someone from TV. I don't know what was going on. They were looking for a chair. They were wandering around looking for a chair. So I don't know what's going to happen today during the radio show. Is it? It's go, it's gone from here, right? Or right no? here? Oh, it's still uh, there. Yeah, no, it's yeah. in here. No, no, okay, no, I thought I didn't see no, it. No, because it was behind the board when you got here today. But I, I've got it there. Uh, I, okay. I think someone might have been trying Smoke to. Smoke Ludwig wanted that tush delight yesterday because <laughs> he was the one that the last one to be over behind the board. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he tried to hide it behind the board. So I don't know what's happening here today, man. But just, hey, man, just don't don't rat me out. All right, man. Just let me have one more day with this pad. It's right? it's it's the it's the tush delight bro code. All right. If someone else's tush is happy, we ain't going to tell anybody else about what it. What if one of the all TV right? anchors is using one of our old broken chairs right now? <laughs> Why is Alex Giles broadcasting like leaning to the side right now? I don't know. It's, hey, he's got I don't know why, why those TV people need good chairs anyway. I no, don't understand. They should stand up. I don't understand it. Anyway, um, 
I think Flounder in the final couple minutes of the Heels game last night could have used a very comfortable no, chair to sit Flounder in. Told that me was that a train wreck last no, night. Flounder told me Kyle Filipowski, uh, his, his awkward stride broke this chair. He, his, <laughs> his feet, his feet uh, in it. Calm yourself down. I'm trying to focus on the next thing that probably drove Flounder crazy, which is the last three minutes, I don't know, 33 seconds or so. It was a 13-point lead with uh, as a shot was getting ready to be attempted by Miami from three uh, that would go in. It was a 13-point lead with three minutes and 33 seconds left. By the end of the game, I didn't know whether to be angry at the heels, grateful they somehow won. I had no idea how I was supposed to be reacting, Bone. The Tar Heels turned into a complete mess against the Miami press. Um, For some reason, Hubert Davis against the press would not play all three point guards at the same time, which also I don't understand as well. Um, And then they get to the free throw line where you can just seal the game there then. And uh, you go one of six from the free throw line. And if it isn't for Harrison Ingram tipping the ball out for an offensive rebound and then Withers coming up with the offensive rebound and then actually hitting two free throws at the end, um, who knows what would happen in the final seconds. And oh, by the way, R.J. Davis scored 42 points, but by the time the game was over, I didn't even care that R.J. Davis had scored 42 points because what I saw was just an abomination of basketball from the heels in the final 333. Yeah, it went from like a uh, historic night, and it was from R.J. Davis, to then needing every single thing that he had and almost more. It almost wasn't enough that he had because he didn't really get a whole lot of help anyway, but they had the lead by, what, 13 or 14, he said at one point? 13 with 333 left. Yeah, it looked like they were about to slam the door shut. That was the theme of the night. They could never quite uh, get that door slammed shut. Mac, when we start to analyze North Carolina in the tournament, they have as good a chance to go and win it all as anybody. I fully admit that. But if there's a blueprint to where something could go awry, I would add pressure on them. I know that they they can play fast, but when they get pressed and the other team applies full-court pressure, Mac, we saw it a couple years ago with Hubert Davis in that Baylor game that yeah. got crazy. They don't handle that type of pressure well. So if I'm a team that is able to do that, now not every team can do it, like Purdue because of Zach Eadie's not doing that, but there are some teams that can do that. If UNC bows out, Mac, in this tournament coming up in March, it might be because they have a moment there where they just can't handle pressure. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I remember them doing that a ton this year. Again, I would play all there three. Was, there was a couple times this year where pressure got to them. I'm trying to remember the exact game. Yeah, which games are you talking about specifically? I'm trying to remember the games. I mean, There's other times this year we've talked about it. It's concerning. I thought, again, I, I thought it was horrible. And I listened to Co- Coach Davis's press conference after the game, and I couldn't believe the tone of the presser. Like, they, no, one, no one was asking questions really about that pathetic three and a half minutes. And and Hubert really wasn't acting like it was that big of a deal. What happened? I I, I thought that was yeah. I, you do wonder if you get in a one and done situation, do you close better than that? I also think something else that you saw last night, Bone, that is a bit of a concern. As much as I like this Tar Heel team, is um, the other guys, the supporting guys, have the ability to all have horrendous shooting nights. Um, Ingram and Cormac were both three of thirteen. Baycott, they made it really hard to get the ball inside to Baycott, especially in the first half. They really did. Miami did a really good job. Caroline was turning it over on the post feeds. They couldn't really get that down and figure it out. But, you know, RJ had to score 42 of their 75, and they needed every last point of the 42. 
So in a one-and-done situation, I do worry a little bit, Bone, about what if literally everybody else on the team shoots it like crap? Because RJ was 14 of 22. The rest of the team was 13 of 39. And that Miami team didn't have two starters. They're not really that good anyway this year. And you were at home. You know, so I don't know. I, 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 don't, wanna, I don't wanna like I don't wanna write their obituary here in the tournament. No, 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 no. But it was there there were a couple concerning things, obviously, in that game. And then oh by the way, you gotta talk about how amazing RJ Davis is too. I don't wanna I don't wanna leave that out of the conversation. And credit to Miami too, man. They didn't belong in that basketball game at all. The fact that they even made it that close was ridiculous considering the fact that they had lost what, six in a row entering the game. Two of their best players were out. Larinaga somehow nearly stole one, though. I, I I could not believe that UNC never completely slammed. I thought at the three-minute mark they did, but here came Miami again. That three-point shooting was ridiculous. Well, stealing is you take something from someone. I feel like Caroline was trying to hand it to them in the last few minutes, and they still couldn't fully get it because they don't know how to box out on a free throw. <laughs> yeah. Thank God for Caroline's offensive rebounding prowess. But we have to talk about R.J. Davis. The kid is effing phenomenal. Like, it is unbelievable. Hunter Salas is amazing. R.J. Davis, give him get him the award. Oh, it's, give it's him over. the award. He's got that's it. the best player in the ACC and his growth as a player in his four years in North Carolina. That's to me what is beautiful about college basketball and college athletics. I'm not hating on one and dones and stuff like that. I'm not trying to be like that. If you got that kind of talent, go to the pros, go get your money. But I but it is really nice. I remember you know you know over the years just watching growth of players. And that's what's cool to me, man. And you've seen him grow so much as a player. And last night... That crossover to to that step-back three, it's it's almost unguardable because he just gets enough space. And how many times has he dribbled the ball, Matt, crossed up, stepped back, and hit those ridiculous, not quite leaning back threes, but step-back threes. It's It's filthy. It's unstoppable, honestly. And for him to be able to respond to one of 14 at Virginia two nights later and do that, man, that shows he's a tough little nut. He's a tough little nut, as Roy Williams would say. Mentally tough to come back from that with that performance confidence-wise, man. Roy was fired up last night, too, for the thought of crumble cookies. He was getting fired up for when they almost missed two free throws in a row. He wanted cookies, man. Corey Alexander apparently was uh, obsessed with those cookies. I have to tell you right now, someone needs to kidnap Corey Alexander until the season's over. I, I can't. This guy, I've never seen a broadcaster make a game more about him than Corey Alexander. Like, dude, I don't care what kids you know. I don't care what um, old school players you know. I don't care who your guy is. I don't care if you know the parents' names of each player that you have to drop in there. Like, he is. I don't care about your career. Like, I, I just, I I feel like Bone, I feel like this. everybody on this show can't stand Corey Alexander. But I feel like, does the rest of the country agree with us? I don't feel like everybody else is annoyed by him the way we are. He had he has some moments that are head scratching. If you listen to him enough, and trust me, we get him enough on these broadcasts. Mac, he can be such a difficult listen at times. I need Jim Beheim to be part of that crew. That's where we're at. When Beheim's with him, he negates some of Corey Alexander talking. He has some things that he says. The stuff about his guy, Larry Brown was his guy last night. It's all night. about him, Roy man. Was his I know guy this guy. Last I know night. that guy. Oh. He, had, he had a moment last week, Mag. ESPN could not have been happy with what he said last week. Remember, they went through that whole thing where Doc Rivers left the NBA Finals team, and it was a whole kind of embarrassed that they had to scramble. And then Dave O'Brien uh, said congrats to J.J. Redick for getting on the uh, NBA Finals team. Corey Alexander says, well, we'll see for how long that lasts. I know some people in Virginia. J.J.'s my guy. 
He wants to get into coaching. How do you think ESPN feels, Matt, that they announced J.J. as the NBA Finals broadcaster, and two days later, Corey Alexander on a broadcast says, yeah, he could leave soon to go to coaching. <laughs> how, about, how about his one on Saturday where they're talking about the brackets and they're talking about uh, the, Dave O'Brien brings up Joey Brackets. He says, yeah, I don't really subscribe. I, I don't really care what he says. Yeah. And I'm like, you're on ESPN. Yeah. What? He did. At least he was honest on that one. But yeah, the whole thing about making everything about him and telling you who he knows and name dropping and this and that. I just can't stand it. Like, just call the game, man. I get it. You know a lot of people in basketball. You should. You call 500 games a season. You should meet all these people and know all these. You've been in basketball your whole life. I assume every announcer knows the same guys you do. Yes. Yeah. But every other announcer doesn't have to say, that's my guy. That's my guy. Oh, my God. And then Clarice and Gerald, his parents. How many, Who else tells you the parents' names of the players like this doofus? I don't know. It's... It's uh, name, name droppers are a problem. By the way, shout out to Chris Paul, my high school friend, Matt, coming back from injury uh, for the Golden State Warriors. Want to get that in there. Chris Paul actually is my guy. Oh my I can actually goodness. claim that. My guy. We were very, very close 20 years ago. Oh, my close. goodness. Dare uh, I say he knew my name at one point. <laughs> Kevin wants uh, to play the Corey Alexander drinking game. Every time uh, he says OB. You got to drink one. But, uh, oh, OB, my God. My guy. Names of the parents. Finish your drink. There's so, oh, you could create. Sure, a, you great. better have an ambulance on standby. <laughs> he does a lot of games with Doug Sherman in the in the pre-conference time, where Sherm he'll mention Sherm. Sherm's a lot. another one. Yeah, he says that. <laughs> also, Corey Alexander, I think, bothers Matt because about four or five years ago, we had him on the show often when he was only a Raycom guy. Remember, he started with Raycom, worked his way up, and he would come on the show. And I sent him a text one day, and he said that he no longer does radio interviews. That's so when you have a, we're not his guys. When you have a guy that does <laughs> that many games of all the local teams, but yet he doesn't do interviews, kind of bothers me a little bit, right? <laughs> he sees all these teams weekly, yet he, for some reason, doesn't do. I should call. I should say, hey, I should use a, a thing where I say, hey, you know this guy and this guy and this guy. I know this guy. Maybe I create a bond that way. Corey, uh, if uh, I can introduce you to Debbie and Mike, that's my parents. If that will make me my guy, your guy, you know what I mean? Get you on the show. Uh, this texter here, Andrew Norwell's agent, Bone is the text name. He says he annoys the crap out of me. Thank you for saying it. I thought it was just me. See, it's funny. I thought it was just us. Like I did, I've, I haven't heard that because you know how we roll as sports fans. We complain about every announcer that ever does a game, but I don't really hear a lot of this about him. So like, wow. I'm just glad to hear it's bothering other people and not just us. Yeah, no, it feels good <laughs> to be bothered by mutual people. Yeah. When we come back on the Mac and Bone Show, football potpourri, plenty of Panther combine notes. We've got Drake May being criticized by a former NFL quarterback in a scouting breakdown, and we got details on Cam's fight from this weekend on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. This segment of the Mac and Bone Show is sponsored by Unbound.org. A girl in Kenya dreams of becoming a doctor. An elder in Guatemala dreams of being part of a community. Reach out and change their world, and it will change your own. Unbound.org. Two seven WFNZ Mac and Bone with you. Uh, happy Tuesday, everybody. We will get back. We'll talk more about the Tar Heels and how awesome RJ Davis is. 
and yet how weird the end of that game was for the Tar Heels. But uh, right now, we have to talk all kinds of football news and info. Dan Morgan, Dave Canales today will hold pressers at the Combine. It's that time of the year. It is Combine week. They will be on the field on Thursday. So everybody is gathering today, and you'll start to hear all the coaches and all the GMs answering questions so i'm very much looking forward to that bone i feel like we've been in a very quiet time of the off season and i'm ready to get stuff going yeah right? you know what i mean moving forward new players new additions free agency not too far away what a, two weeks away or so something in that neighborhood uh matt dan morgan will not be speaking today he'll just be staring down the answers is that oh that's how it's yeah, gonna happen he'll just, he'll just you're, they'll ask him a question he'll just Stare through them because he's only there looking for dogs. Joe Person, oh, 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 oh. Joe Person, Joe Person's article about Dan Morgan is so good on theAthletic.com. The story that his former coach at Miami, Butch Davis, tells, where the play is about to start, and Dan Morgan's lined up there in his middle linebacker spot, and he pukes into his like clear visor oh God. and the visor knocks it right back into his face oh they snap the ball and he just runs after the ball carrier <laughs> like nothing happened that's a like that's that, a dog that's that a dog is, yes it is and that's who dan morgan is y'all and it's a shame what happened in his playing career with the injuries the concussion issues but uh the fact is that Dan Morgan um, is a bad dude and was a bad dude as a player. And let's just hope he can pull this off, Bone. You know, let's just hope he can pull this off. I know a lot of us wonder, ooh, we staying in-house? This guy's worked with Scott Fitter for how many years? But there have been a lot of people over there that have assured me, hey, man, there's a lot of things Dan would have done differently. Yeah. You know, um, the co- one, you know, and one being the coaching pressure that was put on Scott Fitter for certain to, to get me this player – and people over there feel Scott Fitter kind of gave in, and Dan Morgan ain't giving in to anybody. So let's give him a chance. And uh, the combine today, um, th- this this week will be a big start, you know, to the Dan Morgan era. It's all about relationships. Um, to quote my man, Coach K, there, my guy, Coach K. It's all about relationships. Your guy. And do you know his parents' names? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think William William might have been his brother. I forget his dad's name. I think. Oh, you you weren't serious. Um. <laughs> It's about relationships, and that's what's important with Canales and Morgan. It doesn't feel like there was a connection there between Fitterer and Frank Reich to what you're talking about by demands of the coaching staff. The the unison, the um, bond between Canales and Morgan looms large here where they can be on the same page. If you're not on the same page in anything, there might be problems. Never mind in the sport of football. You have to be moving in the right direction. I think that's what I'm most hopeful for is – Hey, man, Canales is going to take some time to, to learn as the head coach. Morgan may have some hits or misses, but I don't doubt that those two guys have the same vision going forward. This franchise, it's had multiple visions of guys going multiple ways. Matt Rule had his own weird vision. They all had visions. Now I feel like they're all looking the same direction. Alignment, Bone. You're supposed to say the buzzword over yeah. there. Alignment. Keep aligning. That's going to be the new chant we do in the stands next year. <laughs> Keep <laughs> aligning. <laughs> That's what we're all about, man. You got Brand Tillis involved, and, and this is, again, a sportsology. That, that, that change in the structure in the front office with Tillis and Morgan, that is a sportsology thing, and it's worked in the past at other um, teams. So, And that also shows that... that David Tepper's willing to listen to someone else. Yes, yes. You know, very. so I think I think there's some good signs. But ultimately, you talk about, like, relationships and all this. Ultimately, Bones, someone over there needs to draft the right players. 
Like all this other stuff is great and it maybe helps you come to those conclusions and work together, right? But ultimately, someone needs to pull the trigger on draft picks that actually work. Well, that's like that, uh, that's the that's the one thing I'd love to see this year. You're <laughs> you're nitpicking now. You don't need good <laughs> players. By the way, Mac, you want to update what just occurred during the break? Here, I'm a little bit rattled here as we came back right now. Bone, I told you there's stuff going on out there in the hallway today. Bone is under fire, man. Seriously, they they are not playing. So apparently, there is a chair for people who don't know. We share the building with not only our sister stations that are owned by Radio One, like us. Um, WBT, uh, uh, Mix, all, all those stations. But there's also WBTV in this same building. And this is no joke. They are the, the TV people apparently have lost a chair somewhere in the building. And we thought it was this mysterious chair that just showed up a day ago. And I'll be damned if our guy Givens, a security guard, doesn't come in here, not say anything. Walked over to on Bone. the phone. He's on the phone. On the phone, talking to someone who is clearly giving him instructions. He just comes in, stares at Bone in the chair he's sitting in, and walks off. And now we're sitting here wondering: Have we? Do we have property of a stolen chair? And is there an arrest about to happen of you, Bone? I I feel like I'm on a curb episode. <laughs> All I did was sit down on this glorious chair. Came out of nowhere. It was now, sitting here when we came in. Now I'm being penned for a crime. Is there anyone on? If anyone's watching WBTV, is someone standing up right now? <laughs> is that what's going on here? Alex Giles cannot sit down until he finds his chair. I don't know, man. Do I do I give this up or hold my ground, man? He he left though. He didn't. Say, hey, you're in the, somebody else's chair. He walked out. So does that mean you've been cleared? Did you see him stare you down, too, who has nothing to do with this whole thing? Hey, I'm sitting over here. I know this is our chair. All right. This is, although we might have stole this one, too. But we stole yeah, this. TV definitely is not sitting in the chairs me and Mac are we, sitting We stole in. this one flounder like two months ago, though. At this point, I believe the statute of limitations are up on this chair steal. What I'm going to do, Mac, I'm going to prove a point that we now own this chair. I'm going to take it home every day. <laughs> Just wheel it right on out of here. <laughs> Holy crap. So, anyway, we will update this as to whether or not. There will be some sort of bust, a bone, uh, sitting in a stolen chair. But anyway, looking forward to the combine. It's on, baby. We're going to talk later, Bone, about the wide receivers um, because this just in. We could use some. And uh, this is a wide receiver class that is special. When you listen to the talent evaluators talk about it, um, Daniel Jeremiah, oh, shoot, that might be news about the chair. Daniel <laughs> Jeremiah. It's a WBTV alert. Daniel Jeremiah has 12 receivers. In his top 50 players. And he says only two times before he says he says the most uh, receivers to go in the top 50 are 11. This would set a record. OK, if, if his guys. And by the way, Xavier Leggett's not even one of them. Really? 12 receivers in his top 50 and Leggett, who is a stud, is not even one of them. I've seen Leggett Mac falling down, not just like Montrass, but like overall player rankings that they put out. I've seen him kind of fall a little bit more lately. What? Was it Jeremiah or someone else had him like 80th of players? Dane Brugler's got him Brugler 80th. Brugler was 80th. Jeremiah doesn't rank him because he only did his top 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we don't know where so Jeremiah yeah, he, would rank he's him. He's been anywhere from like 30 to 80 in some people's list. It's crazy because he would be one of my, I like Lad McConkey a lot, but Xavier Leggett's another guy I'm interested in. A lot of Debo comparisons. Joe Person wrote a piece about this on The Athletic. Um, but yes, they are stocked up with wide receivers and, and they're stocked up with offensive linemen in this draft. I really think... Again, if we can actually evaluate talent and make the right picks this year, knock on wood. But I really think you can get yourself a really good receiver and a really good offensive lineman in your first two picks. Like even though you're only pick, you're not picking in the first round. I still, but you got to nail them though, man. 
Those day two picks are gold. Gold, Jerry, I tell you. Look at the teams that advance deep in the postseason. We talked about it when it was happening. The Lions, the Niners, the Ravens, the Chiefs, uh, the Bills. All these teams, Matt, that are good and consistently good at this point, it's not just the first-rounders. That that's, Teams can hit on those. It's second, third, fourth. The Lions are hitting on every pick right now. The Niners have so many dudes. Where's Fred Warner, Mac? Third round, I believe. They have a lot of dudes that aren't first-rounders. A ton of them. Yeah. Could and we? That's, that's, that is where first-rounders can, can get you to a certain level. It's those second, third, fourth-rounders that put you at a consistent level like those teams. Look at the drafts that the Lions, the Texans, and the Rams had last year. There are people doing it. There are people actually knocking the draft out of the park and getting multiple immediate contributors. It just feels like the Carolina Panthers haven't met one of them for a long time. Yes. It really does. Mac and Bone with you, Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. So uh, it's it's combine week, Bone. So the news is coming out about like who will throw and who will do this. Marvin Harrison Jr. is doing like no testing. And it sounds like there's a chance like he won't even do the testing at his pro day. He is literally going to say, watch my game tape, which might not be a bad strategy for a player that good. And then you have the quarterback news, Boney, of who's going to throw, who's not going to throw. Caleb Williams won't throw. Penix, Rattler, and McCarthy apparently will throw. And then it's also combine week, Bone. So you know you're going to have some people coming with hot takes and tearing apart prospects that, I don't know, most of us fans think are pretty damn good. Um, For example... Merrill Hodge on with the junkies in uh, Washington, D.C. on uh, on the fan there. Listen to his take on Drake May out of UNC. Listen to this. Okay, in, in these categories compared to May, I, I wouldn't touch May. I wouldn't I wouldn't grab May. Ooh. I wouldn't draft him in the first round. And there's a bunch of things that bother me. He's extremely inconsistent as uh, his accuracy, his processing inconsistent. Um, he's not extremely athletic. I think I find him more stiff. He's got a longer throwing motion, which allows more hits in our league than he gets in college. And I'm just bothered by it. You know, in fact, I just, I knew we were going to do this. So I just wanted to, I hadn't watched him for a couple of weeks. So I, one of my last games I looked at was the NC State, NC State game. And that may be one of his worst games I'd ever seen. I mean, in play. <laughs> and, but, but it validated, he's at the end of the season and it validated a couple things. Not athletic. I thought that was one of his best traits. Yeah. Did we not see him running and making plays out of the – I thought athletic ability, he's the perfect guy. Arm, mind, body, ability to move. I thought he is the perfect guy for this brand of football. How many plays play. did he make by improvising when, lot, when protection of, broke down on A him. ton of them. Left-handed passes and all these Patrick Mahomes-like plays that he can make. What do you what think? What are you doing here, Merrill? i got to ask you, Flounder. We are going to let Kyle Filipowski off the Flounder hot seat today. And today I have a feeling Merrill Hodge is going to go on the Flounder hot seat. Flounder, what do you think? You have watched a ton of Drake Mayhell in high school around here. Yes. In college for your team. i, I got to be honest. I know I, I, I may... I may come across being a homer for the kid, right? Because we're all rooting for him. I just, I'm like Bone. I, that seems hypercritical. I'm not saying he doesn't have things to work on. Like, what do you think about oh, that? Oh, he definitely has things to work on. But I, I would encourage Merrill, which, by the way, I could see why ESPN lets you go. I can see that right now because you don't know much about football, my dude. If you watch and don't see that his offensive line the last two years wore down at the end of the season and could not protect him to save his life. 
And I mean, yeah. look, yep. I, I thought there were some times, especially NC State, where yeah, um, he brought that game up, wh- where where it. he struggled. But it also doesn't help that you have receivers. I mean, you go back to that NC State game. I mean, dude, there's some things I like about Tez Walker. I thought there were times Tez Walker, who was hot on a lot of those routes, kind of rounded things off. He definitely didn't look like he was playing his best game either. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I, I find it hard to watch him and, and not think that there's something special there. But, I, I mean, he's not the only one that thinks this. Kurt Benkert, the former uh, ECU quarterback and Green Bay Packer quarterback, says he wouldn't take him until the third day. He so, he says, uh, which is Kurt, fitting, he knows that day. <laughs> Kurt Benkert said he's a more athletic Mason Rudolph with less arm talent and a lot less accuracy which is than just, Mason Rudolph. I mean, come on, dude. What are you smoking? That just feels crazy to me. Again, like, you know, I get it. So the, he played the position. I get it. We're just fans. Lord knows my QB evaluations bone have not always been the greatest, but it just feels way too hypercritical of Drake May. I never watched him once and thought to myself, he's stiff and can't move. I don't know. I don't know what you're now. I know Sam Howell could run, but he was more. Sam Howell got in trouble for holding the ball too long in the pocket. It's still a problem with Washington. Now I never had that. I never thought that would Drake. I thought thought he had a great clock in his head of when it was time to go. I mean, lack of athleticism for a guy that ran for 1200 yards in his college career. That's that's people. People have complained. One of the things that people are concerned about is there have been a lot of comparisons of him to Daniel Jones because he relies on his legs too much. Yeah. And yet this but Merrill dude is, Hodge thinks he's not athletic. He's not athletic. And then Kirk Benker is willing to say, well, yeah, he's um, a more athletic Mason Rudolph, but he doesn't have the arm talent or accuracy of Mason Rudolph. And it's like, yeah, you're that, both criticizing different things, and I think you're being too critical, each of you, of those things. Also, the I, accuracy thing is, is just wild to me yeah. especially on the deep ball like oh, his accuracy is just as good if not ball. better than sam Howell. beautiful deep ball so anyway this is the process we're in here by the way merrill uh, during super bowl week uh was doing interviews and on radio row and he was like tearing apart caleb williams so, I so mean, he doesn't I, like anybody in the I don't strap, know maybe Jane daniels he likes i don't freaking know Matt, here's uh, a, but it's here's, that time of the year y'all here's a uh pittsburgh uh, thing on drake may because obviously they're in the the quarterback market, it, it appears again. There's a podcast. Uh, who's Mac? Who's Terry? Who's Terry Hanratty? Was he a, a front office guy? Was he a player? He was on a Pittsburgh podcast. Former He's, Steeler quarterback? Was Is that he true? a quarterback? Yeah, I, I see the name here. Um, a GM told him that Drake May is Ben Roethlisberger with better movement. That came out yesterday as well. So while we're focused on the negative stuff there, someone from within the league told a uh Pittsburgh media member now, a former player, whatever it was, that Drake May is a better uh, Roethlisberger that moves better. That feel, uh, listen, so there you go. Uh, not, he, as, not as thick as Roethlisberger. Yeah, is he going to be as durable as Roethlisberger? Yeah. You can punch him in the nose and break his nose. He keep playing because he does have to put some weight on. But that makes more sense to You're me. Right, former By quarterback. Way, former quarterback. Look yeah. at Terry Hanratty in his playing days. Look at that big old mustache. Look like dang John Holmes back in the day on the set. <laughs> Look at that big old 70s stash for Hanratty, man. Um, anyway. Look, he's now got gray hair, and he's still got that big old thick stash. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't, he was before my time. I didn't realize he was a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I thought only did. Terry Bradshaw played quarterback. I thought only you thought Bra- he was the first Steeler quarterback ever? I thought it went from Bradshaw to Roethlisberger and now to Kenny <laughs> How dare you? How dare you forget Bubby Brister oh, and my, Mark Malone, baby? Neil O'Donnell, How dare dude. you? Neil O'Donnell, my God. That's a Super Bowl quarterback, although he did throw the winning touchdown pass to a cow to Larry Brown and the 
Cowboys. All right, anyway, Mac and Bone with you, Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Uh, we're going to talk about the reactions to the court storming stuff. Um, and we're going to uh, also get into, um, let's see here. Oh, we're going to get into what was going on on the court with Deacon fans and other Duke players, apparently trying to get off the floor. It wasn't just Filipowski having some issues. But before we do that, one last uh, wrap-up bone of the scrap at the 7-on-7 tournament between these top-shelf performance coaches and Cam Newton. Joe Person, I've cited three Joe Person articles. How hard has he been working over the last day, over the last day and a half? Um, he's, Joe, he's all over it, man. Joe Person was involved in this article. Man, I really got to turn that down, don't I? Um, that's it could be a chair well, update. What's happening right now is uh, <laughs> Jeff Rickards uh, talking about chairs. and Oh, does he know you're under a, siege right now? We may have a, stolen I, a WBTV chair. I think so. Now Jeff Rickards in on Terry Hanratty. That, by the way, that doesn't reflect well on Jeff's leadership. If we have a stolen chair in this studio, I just, I, I don't, I, you know what I mean? How do I, we cover up for Jeff? Usually it's the guy at the top held responsible. The, the, I don't the, like this. The chair I named Touch Delight is fairly. It's <laughs> this under, is bull blank. It's under siege right now. You're not uh, taking Touch Delight out of here. Somebody took Molly Grantham's favorite chair, and I got to be honest. If you do that around here, they're going to find a way to put you in prison. All right. Um, I texted Alex Giles and I said, Hey, I just, I tried to. Hey, I said, how's it going down there today? I'm trying to figure out if there's anything going on down yeah, there. Where I'm under don't fire. reveal too much. Uh, don't reveal too much. But anyway, the cam situation. All right, so Joe Person and another writer at The Athletic wrote this piece with kind of some details on it. So two of the three uh, dudes from this top-shelf performance, which is a group, by the way, in, in Georgia that trains wide receivers, and they then enter, yeah, enter teams in these seven-on-sevens, and on the seven-on-seven seven circuit, they all see each other at all time. And that two of these guys worked with Cam previously. So I don't know if like the relationship went bad. They used to work together, yeah. and now they don't work with Cam anymore. And Cam's got his own group. Um, uh, so anyway, there was a heated, heated seven-on-seven 18U game bone on Saturday at this tournament where Cam's team lost to this TSP team. All right, heated. Trash talk all over the field during this game. So on Sunday, for some reason, it was still a bone of contention. And I don't know why these guys then go and jump Cam. And I heard once, someone said Cam, they asked Cam why one of his kids didn't jump on a fumble. And then he just went crazy on the people. <laughs> all right, settle down. So once they were separated, Bone, they were all thrown out of the event, including Cam. How is Cam thrown? Unless there, and then listen, maybe there is. Maybe Cam played a role behind the scenes in 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 you know, escalating this thing, this, whatever their issues were. But based on the video I saw, if Cam just simply got jumped, defended himself, how is he kicked out too? So maybe there's more to it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We don't know the Cam will, will drop his fourth and one podcast this week, right? He didn't do it yesterday. I don't know when it drops exactly, but Cam will probably, uh, Probably the whole episode. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and guess. It's yeah, that's gonna afraid. be fascinating. Also, well, I have an update back to the the the, uh, the man that Cam threw by the hair on that one angle. He has now landed in Decatur, Georgia. He just <laughs> he's officially landed now. Well, the dude with the hair uh, was doing did a video that went viral, um, where he was bad mouthing Cam, that non throwing oh, yeah. quarterback yeah. hero from Atlanta, and it's kind of like. You really busted on a former MVP when you're just some, you're just some lame you know wide receiver you know 
um, you know, training slash flag football coach hack? Are you so, kidding me? Some wannabe that yeah. couldn't make it to the NFL. Yeah. You would love to be Cam Newton, buddy. Seriously. Um, update. Uh, huh. Merrill Hodge has that guy rated higher than Drake May right now. <laughs> When we come back, we have more fallout from the Duke-Wake Forest court storm incident. Wake Forest fans not as innocent as some make it out to believe on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. WFNZ Mac and Bone with you cruising through hour one. We got the combine going on. We got RJ Davis going off for 42, but yet the Tories couldn't finish the game um, uh, very strongly at all. So we got things to talk about there as well. So we got football. We got hoops to talk about. We got national media members this week, Bone. Separate ones, mind you. It's not the same. It's not the same guy. But we got an NFL media guy saying the Panthers should trade Derek Brown. And we got a, a national guy, and we got a national NBA guy saying the Hornets should trade LaMelo Ball. So <laughs> we got that going on here. Um, uh, great talents here in Charlotte, which we don't get much of. And the national media is trying to get us to trade these guys. So we'll talk about that coming up in a little bit here as well. But first, ladies and gents, let's tie up some of the loose ends of this Wake Duke court storm situation. So... Filipowski, I don't know, Bone, if he practiced yesterday. He's not. He didn't practice. No. Okay. It's um, not considered anything long-term, but his status is in doubt for Wednesday, tomorrow against uh, Wolville. And Caleb Foster is also hurt, too. Not from that stuff on Saturday, but he happened during the he game. sprained his ankle early second half. So both those guys' status is uh, to be determined. You would the figure the they probably would sit Filipowski against uh, Louisville at home and just, you know what I mean? I, I, I would think would they'd think err so. on the side of caution yeah. in a game like that. Um, Just play Ryan Young all 40 minutes and let, let, him, let him be a dog out there. Let him work. They're calling it a sprained knee is what they are calling it after the court storm suffered injury. But we also found out yesterday, too, something that I didn't know, Bone, when we were doing the show yesterday. That's because a lot of people are saying, oh, man, Filipowski, everybody else got off okay. Well, according to Connor O'Neill, uh, college hoops writer in the, um, on Tobacco Road, he wrote that Jared McCain, there were um, students that were running up to him and trying to like literally block him from getting off the court as he's trying to leave the court. And then you also had a couple of stort, uh, stort, stort court, stort cormers. <laughs> court stormers go up to Mark Mitchell. And there's a photo of this bone. I don't know where you got that, but you share, you showed it to me where two guys are going up to him. John at Mark Mitchell. One fan is uh, giving him the middle finger right in front of his face. Um, and they're almost tangling feet with him too. That's how, I mean, they are all up. They're all up in his area there. This, they're running. They're running from the image here. They're running at him. They're not running away from him. I, I just, I don't understand. And I know you're at college. You're going to a basketball game. I realize some of these fans, I've had a couple of pops. I know I would in a situation as a college student. I had my fair share of pops. I, I have to be honest. I never, though, would have enough of the enough of that liquid courage where I would run up to these big dudes, six ten dudes, seven foot dudes, and just mess with them after they just lost a hotly contested emotional game. Like you, you were, like whatever happens to you at that point, I don't have any sympathy for you. I really don't. 
on a Thursday night college night at a bar. Are you doing that at a bar? Yeah. Well, yeah. You, and, you, and, would, and, you would get you would get thrown right out of there. In, in <laughs> regular people. In regular life, are you going up to Mark Mitchell with a finger in his face? Absolutely. Middle not. finger in his face, yelling stuff at him. But these people feel like they're empowered. They run onto the court. There's hundreds of us. There's five of them trying to get off the court, and they feel freaking empowered. And it's just, and I also think this. And I'm not. I know I'm getting preachy here. I just feel like society in this country is is, is as disrespectful as it has ever been. I just think we are as disrespectful as we have ever been. I think we have people in leadership positions that are as disrespectful as they've ever been in leadership positions. I think the social media mindset leads people to be disrespectful. And because they can't, they can't, you can't do anything to me. I'm on social media. And I just think that's part of this as well. I, I just, that that's ridiculous. And to have sympathy for these kids, that's the thing about the Filipowski thing, man. It's like this kid's yelling something at him. He just lost a game. How would you feel if your kid, if your kid stormed to court and you find out he's got a middle finger right in the face of Mark Mitchell? How do you feel about that? You proud of him? And, and Mitchell and Filipowski and McCain, they they have more to lose in this situation because oh, of who of they course, are. Big time. And the student the students also they don't mind going viral, do they? Oh, I'm gonna go get I'm gonna go get McCain or Mitchell or Filipowski. That they they can do whatever they want. And then all of a sudden, if they run into a seven footer or a guy that's six ten or whatever that whatever happens, they can they can easily play the victim that they were just running out there in a place they're not supposed to be. You're right. Well, plus they know like what you just said. They know. Oh. He's a well-known basketball player in his Duke uniform. He can't possibly hit me. He'll be in trouble. Yep. You know, and so it's just, again, and I don't know if I come across sounding like an old fuddy-duddy nah. right now. Some of y'all are saying preach. I don't. Others might be thinking, Mac, get off your high horse. But it's just, I, I, I would be like, if a little, like, run out there and have fun. That's great. Like I said, like, you know what I mean? I get that whole thing. And hopefully they can find a way to keep that in the game, but but do it in a safer manner. Um, and we'll talk about that later. Like, could it even be stopped or, or is this just, you know, something we should stop even, even talking well, about Sheriff Billis but, will stop it. But at least I'm just telling you, if little Mac in college in a few years runs on the court as taunting a basketball player, like, uh, seriously, that's disrespectful and that's ridiculous. And at that point, whatever happened, and I got to be honest, I heard Greeny say this on ESPN yesterday. If you run out onto the court, there should almost be something on your ticket that says whatever happens to you is not our responsibility anymore. Right. Yes. It's all your you are. The word is assumption of risk. Like if you look at the back of your ticket to a baseball game, I think they'll put the phrase assumption of risk on there talking about if you get hit with a ball, you are assuming that risk when you go to sit in the stands at a baseball game. I think the same sh thing should apply to your ticket. Like Greeny said, if you are running on the court, you are assuming any risk that could happen, man. You could be trampled. Anything could happen. Is out a there. team if they hit a game winning shot on the road or have a big win on the road, is the team now allowed to go into the student section? The is players? It, is that allowed? Will that's that be a, allowed? That, that's well, a Seth, I'm, that's I'm a Seth Greenberg I'm idea. I'm saying it in jest, but would that be allowed? You, so if Duke won the game, are they allowed to go up there oh, and talk? No, no, no. Okay, that's that's silly. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm saying no, 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 no. But it's the opposite. It's the it's the reverse of it, though. Would the players be allowed to go up into the crowd and get in the, in the students' faces? I'm thinking that'd yeah. be a place they're not supposed to be, right? I'm thinking, thinking no. Um, Seth Greenberg's idea, though, is that the party happens in the student section and the winning players go into the student section. That was one of his many ideas. There's so many ideas floating around out there. We'll talk about it coming up later. Uh, I do want you to hear Steve Forbes because Steve Forbes has been very classy about this. Um, uh, this is him with, uh, with our guy.
Josh Graham uh, on WSJS in Winston-Salem. Listen to uh, Steve Forbes. No one, I mean no one, should be on the court until the opposing players, coaches, staff have been given the opportunity to leave the court and exit the bench area. End of discussion. Now, that wasn't the case on Saturday, and I personally apologize to John um, after the game. I felt like what happened to him and his players and his staff was just unacceptable. And anyone who thinks they're somehow at fault is 1,000% incorrect. There you go, Forbesy. I appreciate that, man. And listen, John Curie, the AD there, also admitted their fault. Like, I saw a thing. I was going to bring this up later, but I'll bring it up now and later. All right, Boney? But um, there were pictures floating around yesterday of the court storm at Creighton when they beat UConn last week. Yeah. And the way they handled it. And they the pictures were circling an area. This is much like what Florida State would do. Um, they circled an area where fans couldn't be. They couldn't get to. And that's where the players were able to safely get to and then walk off to the locker room. It can be handled. Like it can it's it there are places that do it correctly. Wake Forest did it hideously. There'll be a scenario where this turns into a disaster when the students storm as fast as they did. Mac, what if the I'll just it, it could be any game you're talking about. What if a player goes in for a game winning layup or a shot or something, gets knocked down to the ground, baseline? And the students just run immediately. Is that player's on the ground? That'd What's be a horrible What's going to happen then? There's scenarios you could see where it goes, you go, that could be, if a player gets knocked to the ground, game-winning shot, and they run on the court that fast, they're not looking for the player on the ground. There could be something, a player, students could trample each other. That, yeah, that's another could, worry. Yeah. That's the thing. Is that you could have a horrible scene. What happened Saturday is not good at all, but you could have something catastrophic happen. You know? When we come back, national media member says the Panthers should trade Derek Brown and another media member thinks the Hornets should trade LaMelo Ball. We analyze both those takes on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.